Welcome to Identity Masters, an authentic podcast where we explore all things identity and how to increase the security of the internet. This week, I sat down with Milda, the head of marketing at Authentech, to talk about the benefits of implementing KYC, that is, know your customer, into your business operations. So our first episode, we had the crypto roundtable, and one of the topics we discussed there was KYC. Milda, maybe you could give us a quick intro into the benefits of KYC or what KYC is from a more general perspective. Thank you, Carly, for such a nice introduction. And I'm very happy that we're having this conversation after, especially after the crypto roundtable uh, session that we just recently hosted. I think one of the more interesting topics that we reached upon was does KYC add friction, you know, and how does it add friction and how do you actually solve that if it does and how to make sure that your users are really happy when onboarding your platform. As in the end, you know, crypto space wants to still be super agile, not super regulated, and at the same time be, you know, frictionless. So when it comes to KYC and like coming from a payment space for me, KYC is like basically know your customer. As a business, you should always know who your customers are in order to avoid fraud as much as possible. KYC regulations are, I think, the most prominent in like the financial industry. However, they're becoming more and more um, important for any other industry from like dating platforms to crypto to uh, P2P lending to mobility because whenever it involves services or goods that are you know expensive or cost anything to a certain business it is extremely important to protect it not only from you know the fraudsters but only to make sure it protect your users from you know being harassed on the platform or you know losing a bunch of money because a fraudster decided to invest poorly in something so um, know your customers basically just you should know your customer when onboarding your platform it has typically been tied to financial institutions and i think that's what people think of it as and it's been really interesting even in this last year particularly with covid how important it's become to almost every industry to be able to validate people remotely not necessarily have to have actual um in-person contact and so it's becoming the use cases are only getting stronger and stronger across the board one thing that dennis mentioned in the crypto talk was how the process can be quite lengthy it can be expensive and that can lead to a lot of companies choosing to either not invest in the koac process or delay it kind of say it would be a, a nice to have but it's not a need to have and i think one of the things people think of when they hear KYC is very much the like analog process. You have to bring in ID and go to a physical space, have a person validate you and check your documents. But talk to me a little bit about what it means to have an eKYC verification process. Okay, so before I think I can cover what eKYC really means, it's more about we have to talk a little bit about the expenses of the manual KYC process. So the expenses, like I see it as a very twofold type of expense. Like one expense of not having a KYC vendor, um, you know, helping you out is basically fines that can occur just because you didn't comply with the regulations. Look at the Estonia case, you know, um, money laundering and then 500 uh, crypto companies lost their license to, you know, practice in their business in Estonia. I mean, extremely expensive. 
So that's one expense. Once you have a manual KYC provider, I think you're talking more about like the human factor. You have to have like someone, um, a compliance officer or someone who's verifying identity sitting on the other side. So you're paying salaries to the person who is sitting behind the other uh, part of the screen. When we're talking about the video KYC providers, we're also talking about, you know, these farms of people just sitting trying to verify identity and it's not only expensive but it also is like very prone to mistakes as in there's always a human factor and human factor you know brings a lot of can bring a lot of mistakes because people get tired or they don't have the best day ever and i think when we are moving to like the the more ekyc or an automation you know era and we're noticing that okay manual processes also that don't ensure the higher level of security so why not train ai to actually detect whether that's the the right person with the right document and the right face so to have an ekyc provider is basically you eliminate all of these costs um that are double folded which is like not having a kyc provider and then having to pay a fine once something happens and then you also don't really need to pay you know the salaries of individuals that would be there otherwise trying to verify the identity and eliminating the human factor or the costs that appear due to the human factor there so to have an automated like or fully automated kyc provider or ekyc provider is really beneficial because you have like very um, honest, transparent sort of fixed costs. You see what the, you know, how the subscription looks like. You basically integrate with the KYC, EKYC provider and you can like just have it run, you know, and the AI does all of the work. In the end, you know, uh, fraud will always be there. The only thing that can happen is like we can mitigate it. So why not, you know, why not mitigate it automatically and then let people who could maybe excel in other tasks, like a compliance manager doesn't want to per se sit uh, behind the screen and verify identities because that's not really job satisfaction where they could, for example, then upscale their skills and go for completely different positions while the AI is actually doing the work of the document and facial recognition. I see a few benefits in what you've just described. So of course you're eliminating the human error component by automating it, but talking about training AI, the the difference between artificial intelligence and a human verifying identity is you can train the the AI to detect the fraud and understand the fraud and respond differently to the fraud. Whereas when you're working with humans, that has to be compiled. It has to be, there's another layer of training. It has to be communicated to people. If there is some kind of new type of fraud, that then it's it becomes a whole other part of the actual employment as well, or not employment, but the, the actual job itself. Exactly. And so you, you win in that area. But the speed as well. So when you're talking about having a, a physical person sitting in front of a, either a computer or a desk doing the compliance manually, that also means that they're working Monday to Friday, probably nine to five. And so there, there can be lag time. Exactly. So what, what have you seen happen? I mean, I, I would think that some one of the benefits would be the kind of, it's automated, but it's also automatic. So reducing that lag time and actually letting people onboard faster. Is that something that you see clients really respond to or need? Yeah, so the clients really respond to that, you know, especially when we're talking about onboarding to platforms or like users to platforms. What our customers need is like speed. They 
want to make sure that the verification process doesn't take longer than 24 hours, you know, and that's what you most likely get with the with the 24 with the manual process. But not only manual process. Like to be honest, we have so many players in the market that are claiming to be automated and are have integrated with, um, for example, a great. Um, an organization called Buck Zero, they're a trading platform from the Netherlands, very similar to Trade Republic, and they're using one of um, one of like a different vendor right now, and they are claiming that the process will be, for example, automated. And the Buck Zero team is also promising that it will not take longer than twenty four. No, it will not take longer than four hours to get onboarded. However, that is not the case. I've done the onboarding myself and it takes more than 24 hours, especially if you're an individual based in Germany, for example, but you're originally from Lithuania. So like the verification of the documents and registration and the, the tax ID numbers, etc., takes very long just because it's a manual process. What happens then is that as a user, I become really dissatisfied, not with the not with the verification process itself, because that's really quick. You just need to snap your face, snap your document. You're sort of done. In the end, the, the one that suffers is the platform or is the business. So it is a lot about the speed. It's also a lot about like reducing friction. So it's not only time, but just making sure that you don't have as many steps within your verification process, you know. And of course, now everyone's really moving into like, you know, uh, scan your documents, scan your face, you know, move your face around, um, verify whether it's the right data, and that's it. So, like, you know, this is this is what everyone can do. I think, like, the time it takes to actually accomplish the process, which is until the time you're verified as a user, um, that can be really frustrating. But in the end, the user, the end user is not really frustrated with the verification process. That is really quick because it's like a three-step thing. Um, but the users are dissatisfied with the platform itself. And I think that's why our customers are really excited that, you know, um, at Authentech, the process takes under 45 seconds from beginning to end. And that's why a lot of them are actually like resorting to us as a solution or they're really happy with the current vendor and they're like okay like it, it, they say that it will take four hours but it takes 24 what can we do because we see a lot of dissatisfaction in the end the customer support department or like customer success department is the one that really suffers because mm -hmm. they get a lot of you know a lot of complaints from the users saying hey you know i saw that the stock risen took me 24 hours you know now to get verified how do i how do like you know how do i make this work for myself so yeah it's time speed as little like steps as possible in the verification process and like making sure that the ver verification is as what the vendor says that it will be you know if it's four hours it has to be four hours and like with authentech we're just really happy that it takes under 45 seconds so whoever integrates with authentech just has this great benefit of making sure that the drop-off rates are completely minimized you know at authentech we want to be the easiest part of the customer journey and the least memorable part of the customer journey i think the time is really important the speed of the the verification of course of course and i think unless you are some kind of company which has no competitors which i don't know if i could think of one then that process, that length of time can be the difference of someone choosing to stick with your service or going to a competitor and to avoid that. So it's, it is, as you said, kind of a like customer satisfaction problem at the end. You're going to be losing customers. Exactly. You mentioned something that made me um, think of 
KYC and discrimination as well. Because of course, you just mentioned, you know, you're living in Germany, but you're from Lithuania. So maybe the identity cards are a little bit different. But when we're talking about human verification versus automation, unless you are someone that speaks every language and is familiar with every country's ID or government issued IDs, then there's a lot of room for error and a lot of opportunity for fraud to slip through. So I'm wondering if we could just talk a little bit more about the discrimination angle and the limitations as well if you don't choose an automated service within your KYC platform. Yeah. So I think I think this is a very good question because that's where we sort of ended our roundtable discussion um, last week. I'll just give a very brief example. So when I was trying to, when I was moving to Germany, I was trying to open my bank account with ING service. ING Germany is working with Postident, which is a video, um, like video identity verification vendor. Um, and the person on the other side of the line was not speaking any English. Even though I have like a perfectly normal ID card and a passport, um, tax paying person, I already have a bank account with ING Netherlands, meaning that ING is just a different branch, you know. I wasn't able to open a bank account and I had to open a bank account that was reliant on my partner and therefore I could only withdraw money because like only my partner who is German uh, could like ver- help me, you know, open the bank account. So I had to like, as an individual, I couldn't even earn, earn a salary until I in the end had to go to a bank and uh, show myself in person. And my partner had to translate uh, what I was saying. And we even had to do like a paper where I proved that he can uh, voice represent me when filling out or like verifying my identity. And to be honest, like I have another verification that I have to do right now for Vodafone. Um, here in Germany, I'm already dreading the process because they are doing it via post idea again. And I know like now with my with my German, I would be able, I think, to pass the, the, the verification. But I'm dreading the moment right now. And I'm even like freaking out about the whole thing and I'm postponing it, mm-hmm. uh, which also then prevents someone like Vodafone from... Um, from having more business, you know, or having another happy customer. So, yeah, I do. I think so. I understand um, that some industries need like a certain level of assurance when it comes to identity verification. And at, at times, especially when you're taking maybe a mortgage of half a million euro, yes, I get that you should have a video call or even see someone in the bank. You know, it's very normal, typical procedure. However, when um, we're talking about something like opening a bank account in a different branch of the same bank, it was extremely uncomfortable to um, a person who, you know, earns well, has a good career, good job to sort of be turned down just because of the language barrier. So as a user, I wasn't happy, of course, um, felt really uncomfortable, uh, felt really discriminated. And I'm not the only person like that, you know. You mentioned, of course, access to things like a bank account or a cell phone plan. But I think access is also the key word. It's it's access to services. It's access to opportunities. It's access to physical places. Looking at kind of the larger scope of use cases, could you tell me some of the areas where you think KYC is either the most impactful perhaps the most innovative or even just creating the most accessible types of space. 
being a very uh, um, a person who really preaches ethics i think agerification is an extremely important use case that we should you know touch upon with with covid and digitalization a lot of people started ordering their groceries to not be exposed to germs viruses and a store the interesting fact is that currently Uh, you can order um, alcoholic beverages on different marketplaces and you don't even need to verify your identity when ordering that. You just need to have access to your credit card and know your address. Once you do that, you know the post the post person should in the end verify your identity. But because these people are being gruesomely overpaid, uh, underpaid, sorry, <laughs> underpaid, um, it's... Um, they don't have an incentive to then go and verify an identity. So imagine now a minor ordering a, a bot, like a, a package of, of alcoholic beverages. And let's say the person is 12 to 16 years uh, of age. And um, imagine minor getting uh, create, like intoxication, you know, and suffering some really big health risks. And I think this is not something that is being regulated right now, but I think in the future it will be much more, like KYC will become much more important than just clicking a button yes i'm over 18 years old and therefore i can you know uh, purchase the alcoholic beverages e-cigarettes tobacco etc so um i think yeah age verification is somewhere where i think marketplaces should be getting ahead of the curve really and not wait for the regulation to sort of take place in any country i know that in the u.s they're considering that in germany they're also considering that there are some regulations that took place in 2007 and now we're what 14 years later, still considering we should implement um, such thing, like such regulations and in, in legislations in place. But I think this is becoming more and more prominent. And I think it only takes like for one bad uh, case to happen and get on the news in order for the government to say, hey, this is enough. You really need to verify the age of the people that are... Um, that are purchasing, you know, alcoholic beverages or any any toxic um, goods. So I think age verification is extremely important. Also, actually, one of the more interesting ones is dating, you know, online dating. I think no one, like neither Tinder nor like Bumble, tried to take an approach of like making the women to sort of take the first step in having a conversation with with um, the, their potential partner or like potential date. Um, But no one really like went and say, hey, like let's verify our user. Like let's know that they are not predators sitting on the platform, uh, trying to stalk, you know, um, anyone there, and just trying to make it a more secure, like just trying to make dating more secure. And I think that's that's we have a very interesting potential customer we're talking with uh, about this, and it's exactly like a dating platform where they do see a benefit that like, hey, let's verify the identities of people who are dating. Um, and I think where KYC will or eKYC will become extremely prominent is like especially crypto space. You know, you want to make this space like safe but open at the same time. If you would be implementing, and I think as Dennis said um, last uh, week in the um, podcast, is that you know a lot of these crypto exchange platforms are startups. They're led by two to five individuals and you know they don't have these crazy backings and like a series a series b uh, funding runs so they do need like you know good efficient and a solution that's not too expensive you know so like why pay a salary to a third sixth individual where you team team member when you could just implement um a fully automated ekyc solution 
and really like breach the benefits of that stay compliant you know we know that you know banks like we know that governments want to regulate the crypto industry but does it have to regulate it in this or expect the same levels of compliance as for a financial and banking industry you know maybe um ai powered ekyc solution is enough you know crypto is here to stay um and how can we actually enable these platforms to sort of also get ahead of the curve and and proceed you know surviving and beyond is enabling them to use an ekyc provider rather than manual um kyc verification I love that. I think that's probably the most important takeaway as well is that all of these things digitally are here to stay or the the ordering of things online, e-commerce has exploded because of COVID, but I think it's only been accelerated. It's not like a new trend that came out of it. It's here to stay as well. And staying ahead of the curve, I know that Authentech takes a privacy by design approach, and that's all about being proactive versus reactive, not waiting for the big headline to actually implement systemic change into your business operations. So I think that could also be one of the most important takeaways from this conversation. Thank you so much for your time, Milda. If you haven't listened to the first episode, please listen to that now to hear all about how you can keep the crypto space safe and open. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carly, for having me today. The Identity Masters podcast is an Authentech production. To learn more about Authentech, head to our website at Authentech.com.